a dog, dog barks, barks when his master is attacked. I would, I would be, be a coward, coward if I saw, I saw that God's, God's truth, truth is attacked and, and yet, yet would remain, remain silent. silent. John, John Calvin. Calvin. for those who are for those who are God by faith in his son. Victory, victory in the, the name which is above everything. There's no exception for rape or incest. Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name. Get out here right now. Welcome back to the Master's Dog episode 72. I changed a couple of the hotkeys on the keyboard, so I uh, didn't start right, and I'm not starting over. So here we go. Um, the Master's Dog is a podcast where I deal with false teachers, mostly um, LDS, the uh, Saints Unscripted Faith and Beliefs segment of the Saints Unscripted podcast. But other false teachers, as things pop up here and there, and then we do the false teacher of the week every Saturday. But we are back uh, today with our friends over at Saints Unscripted. David has a video for us today, which I found very interesting, and I hope you will find it just as interesting. And as we watch it, we'll we'll talk about just some of the issues that, that come up. Because, I mean, <laughs> I smell irony and maybe with a, just a slight hint of hypocrisy along with it throughout this entire video. So that being said, let us go over and let's listen to David uh, from Saints Unscripted with uh, Who Can You Trust When I'm Trying to Understand? Mormonism. Here we go. Okay, guys. So in this episode, I really just wanted to ingrain in your minds this one thing. 
When you're doing research and working towards understanding Mormonism, which is actually called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, be careful with where you go for information. And here are four tips to help you along the way. All right, so we're going to be careful about where we go for information. Right. Um, it's actually pretty good advice, um, but we're going to see some issues when we get into what he's talking about. So let's, uh, let's go. Number one, recognize bias. Many websites or YouTube channels that are antagonistic toward our faith will say you can't trust the information on the church's official website because it's all biased. Now, of course the church is biased. It's the church, just like the Catholic church is biased towards the Catholic church, just like every church is biased towards their own beliefs. This is not a weird thing. This is only weird if you make it weird. Right on, brother. But personally, I'm of the opinion that if you really want to learn about Catholicism, you should talk to a Catholic. If you want to learn about Islam, you should talk to someone who is Islamic. If you want to learn about our faith, Latter-day Saint sources make sense, despite the obvious bias of all of these groups. Recognize it, take it into account, but remember that just because someone is biased does not mean they're lying to you. What I do find ironic, though, is when critics disregard official church sources, but then present you with a list of antagonistic sources run by ex-Latter-day Saints or competing Christian denominations and say that that's where you'll find the unbiased truth about our faith. I believe you. You see the quotations I'm making with my claw hands? It means I don't believe you. Let's be real. Okay, so a couple of things on that. Yes, completely understand that most people are going to be biased when they talk about their own faith and, and whatever it is. There is an inherent bias in, in all of these things. But the reality is, is why we will t often tell you that going to Mormon sources is not really, and I've never really said this, I'm, go to all the Mormon sources you want. Because, and he's going to get to a, another topic here um, with checking your sources and stuff like that. But the reality of it is, and again, you can't say that just because I'm an ex-Mormon that, that my, my information is unreliable. Um, I have no reason to lie to you, especially as ex-Mormon. The majority of the people watching these videos are not going to come to Refuge Church in Ogden, Utah. And I'm not the pastor of that church anyway, so I gain nothing from people... I, I stand to, no, not monetarily, not anything. I don't even gain, well, I'm, maybe there are some, some glories in heaven, but those things get cast back down at the feet of Christ. So there is nothing for me to gain by convincing you that Mormonism is false. I gain absolutely nothing. I don't get helmet stickers. I don't get money. I don't get anything. But again, I mean, does David gain anything by convincing you that Mormonism, excuse me, Mormonism is true? I don't know. He gets, I don't know if he gets a paycheck from the church or the Saints Unscripted podcast. I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. The reality of it is, though, looking at bias, but the LDS church has a history of lying to you. That is the problem. That is, as you look at so much of the, and I would encourage you to actually go back to the original LDS sources. I would encourage you to go back to the Journal of Discourses. See the things that, that Brigham Young and Joseph Smith actually said. And look at those things for yourself. Look at the, the but again, and now it's, it's less, but 
when you look back at the pictures, especially of when Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon, when I grew up in it, and the, and the main re, one of the, not the main reason I left the LDS Church, but one of the reasons is, is I was tired of being lied to. I recognized I had been lied to. All of the pictures is that when I was a kid, Joseph Smith translating the Book of Mormon had him either looking at golden plates or had them there. Come to find out, he never had them there. They were either, either covered up by a, a towel or something, and he did everything in his hat. Those pictures never came about until sometime in the 90s when this started to become very open information. But up until that point, the Mormon church was still lying about the way that Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon. Same thing with the Doctrine and Covenants. Same thing with the Pearl of Great Price. There is a history within the Mormon church of them lying to you about what they teach or what they have taught or what is reality about their faith. That's why you should be careful of the LDS sources that you go to. But again, I would encourage, I would never say don't go to their source. Go, please. Because again, so much of the damning information about the Mormon church is contained in those sources. Real, they're also going to be biased, just in the opposite direction. It's extremely difficult to find totally unbiased information about the church or Mormonism because most all of the people that care about doing the research are people with some kind of investment in the interpretation of that research, for better or worse. Number two, verify information and check sources. Okay, so in a past episode we addressed the claim that Joseph Smith invented some Book of Mormon place names by using the names of real places around him. But when we went to verify the information in those claims, we found that many of the places that were supposed to be Joseph's inspiration actually didn't even exist in Joseph's day. Verifying information will help you find out if something is true, false, or a dangerous mixture of both. Take the time to check sources. Oftentimes people online have already interpreted the information for you and are presenting you with their conclusions. That's not necessarily a bad thing, I do it all the time, but sometimes it can be helpful for you to go back to the raw data and interpret things for yourself. Never argue with... Okay, so again, I mean, that's a very good point, going back and checking the sources. Um, we've always... It, Christian apologetics has had a black eye over many of many years because of just things that people come up with and, and to be true. So as LDS, LDS apologetics um, over the years, a lot of things have been thrown out uh, by Mormons. When I was a kid, I remember getting one of the, there was a, I think he was the patriarch of our church in Pueblo. I want to say I got it from, from, uh, Mr. Chambers, it may have been someone else, there may have been someone else who gave me, but there was someone in the church at that time that was always giving me papers and things of Mormon apologetics, of ways that we can prove that the Book of Mormon and Mormonism is true, things like Quetzalcoatl and, and just weird stuff. Christianity has the same problem. Um, you know, for a long time, I don't think anybody uses it anymore. I thank God that they don't. But the, the whole Darwin's deathbed conversion, um, you know, he converted, he told somebody that he was becoming a Christian and that was supposed to be, you know, some kind of slam dunk apologetic argument, argument for, for the faith. And it's like, well, one, no, we have no evidence that Darwin ever converted back to Christianity. And two, um, whether he did or not doesn't lend or take away from the truth of Christianity. A lot of the things, so 
yeah, I have no argument with checking your sources. Make sure that, that things are right and so on. But again, I think there's a lot of videos that, that David has made that when he goes back and checks the sources, they should probably remake a lot of those videos. The data. That's one of the reasons I usually leave lots of links in the description so you can go through and track down sources. Oftentimes, both proponents and opponents of the church will look at the exact same data, but come to totally different conclusions about that data. So it's good to learn how to come to your own conclusions about things. It's something you have to discover for yourself. Number three. But wait, what about praying in the, the witness of the Holy Spirit? Don't you use that quite a bit to literally override what the evidence would show you is true? Just a question. Look at context. This goes hand in hand with checking your sources. For example, I was recently reading on Wikipedia and found this note commenting on a revelation directed to Martin Harris. The note says, the revelation also commanded Martin, release thyself from bondage, leave thy house and home, except when thou shalt desire to see them. It was about this time that Harris and his wife separated. Now, the obvious intent here is to make it seem like Joseph Smith told Martin Harris to abandon his family. Abandon your post! But when you read the verses that surround this citation, you get a different meaning. Pay the printer's debt, release thyself from bondage, leave thy house and home except when thou shalt desire to see them, and speak freely to all, yea, preach, exhort, declare the truth, even with a loud voice, with a sound of rejoicing, crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord God. The bondage was not his family. It was a financial issue, and the instruction to leave home was a call to be a missionary. But whoever wrote this part of the Wikipedia article was banking on you not looking at the context. Be aware that, unfortunately, this kind of stuff happens all the time. So if something seems weird, check the context. It might be as easy as copying and pasting the quote into Google to see if the surrounding text shows up. Number four. Okay, again, going back to the context on so many of the things in the, in the Mormon church that have been based, they, they base their truth on, on tons of verses taken out of context. Other sheep I have that are not of this fold. You know, that's a, that's a verse that is taken out of context. Um, I'm trying to think of, of other verses off the top of my head. I just can't think of anything. But there are so many things that if you go back, and again, it's a great idea, especially with verses that the Mormons try to use to convince uh, that either Christianity is wrong or they are true, go back and check the context. Because a lot of times you'll find out that the verse that they're using means nothing of what they say it is. A great, uh, a, a fantastic example would be Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I think it's Ezekiel 37, the the prophecy of the two six that the Mormons say is the Book of Mormon and Bible, the stick of Judah and the, the stick of Ephraim. Um, and they use this, but when you put it into context, it literally is just talking about two sticks. There's no books being talked about here. It's literally God telling uh, Ezekiel to take two six, write on the names, and hold them up, and, and, and to show that God is going to reunite this this these people as one in His hand. And it's literally just sticks. the The Hebrew word is ets, ets, that nowhere ever. Anywhere will you find it to refer to books, scrolls, or anything. It is always wood or sticks. Check the context. 
watch out for doubt bombs. A doubt bomb is when someone just unloads a massive amount of negative information on you, hoping that something will stick, or that the sheer quantity of arguments will be enough to knock down your house of faith, conveniently making room for them to construct something new, more in accordance with their worldview. Now, remember, I've made comment about this a lot, but I, I feel like I have to make comment again. The reason why these little funny clips and stuff are added in here is to lighten the the, the news and to it really is it's a psychological distraction because he as he tells you you know okay doubt bombs and then they make something funny about it and it really is it's just kind of a thing to to take from something that can be very serious and something that they do all the time especially on saints unscripted and then they they make it funny and it kind of loses the impact look i made a bridge it only took me like what Seconds. Doubt bombers overwhelm you with a bunch of information knowing that it's unlikely that you're going to slow down and methodically investigate each claim. Because investigating a pile of claims takes a lot more time than just throwing them out there. If you were to investigate them, then you'd find that their arguments are often not new and not as big a deal as they seemed. Now, to be clear, most people that... Do you remember just a couple minutes ago in this very video? the list of links. Oh yeah, I leave you all this information in here so you can go look it up for yourself. And then he just talks about the fact that they do that because when you see an overwhelming list of links like that, are you really gonna go look it up for yourself? I, I, I encourage you to do so because likely you're going to look into it, especially with, with the stuff of the last couple of weeks of um, or over last month of Noah and Sohar and uh, Joseph of Egypt and the Zohar, you know, and this is this is literally a Jewish fairy tale. Nowhere scripturally, Talmud, anywhere else, any rabbinical writings, anything, will you find anything remotely resembling a shiny stone that Noah had in the ark? Did I say Moses? I think he said Moses. That Noah had in the ark, or that Joseph of Egypt had in his divining cup, or in prison, or anything else like that. You will not find it anywhere except for this man, Howard Schultz or Schwartz or whatever, in the the mystical Jewish mysticism fairy tales that are written there. You will not find it anywhere. But yet, they put it out there. They the the. Saints Unscripted, David is putting it out there, hoping that you won't look into it and you'll just take his word for it. That disagree with their faith are not hostile or trying to deceive people. There are lots of people with really good, sincere, important questions. There are also a lot of people who have innocently fallen victim to misinformation and then perpetuate it. But hostile or not, we need to be kind, patient, and understand that good people can disagree on religion and still be good people. But on your journey towards a better understanding of Mormonism, remember to also recognize bias, verify sources, look at context, watch out for manipulative tactics like the doubt bombing technique, and have a great day. And remember that there are no good people. Um, and again, yeah, people can disagree on religion. And he makes the comment that, well, they're still good people. No, they're not. The Bible makes it very clear that no one is good, not one. That we all need Jesus. We need the right Jesus to forgive us of our sin, 
to pay the penalty for our sins so that when we repent and trust in his works and none of our own, that then we will be saved. It doesn't matter how good you think someone is, whether they're Muslim, Hindu, Mormon, or whatever. If they do not know Jesus and they do not repent and put their trust in him, then they are destined for hell because of their sin. Because there is no one that is without sin. And there's only one method by which God made it possible to overcome the penalty of sin. And that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God incarnate, not God's physical offspring son as a result of a sexual relationship with a spirit wife. But God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, God who took upon flesh and himself, the only incarnate person of God, the second person of the Trinity, the son who came and lived a perfect life and paid the penalty for your sin that so if you will repent and put your trust in him that you will be saved. It is not Jesus whose brother is Lucifer, it's Jesus who is the creator of Lucifer. This is the God you must have because if you don't have the son then you don't have the father and if you don't have that there is no salvation. There is no salvation without the repentance of sin and trust in the Jesus as he is presented in the Gospels and the Bible and as he is, has revealed himself throughout Scripture and maintained that over the centuries. So again, it doesn't matter what, a good, per, what good people do because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And unless they repent and put their trust in Christ, then they are not going to be forgiven of their sins. Or if they try to repent and put their trust in a false Christ that mandates that they do certain works in order to maintain or to gain exaltation or any of those things, they are also still lost because they have put their faith in the wrong object and the object of our faith is Christ. It is God incarnate in the flesh who paid the penalty for our sin so that we can be reconciled through the Father through the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. That's the gospel and we have to preach that gospel at all times and we have to use words because they are absolutely necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.